This is CliffCentral.com. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Future CEOs here on Cliff Central. My name is Gareth Armstrong. It is great to be with you today. Are you a future CEO? We ask this question every week to you, our audience. If you answer, the, if you can answer that question, yes, yes, I am a future CEO. Well, then this is the show for you. What do we do here? We we try and bring you as close to uh, up and personal, really, really close to the the stories, the interesting parts of the people who we often see as these unapproachable. Sometimes that you, you may look at them and you think that person sitting in an ivory tower. I can't get close to them. Uh, CEOs, senior executives, entrepreneurs that are really, really doing a great job. And we bring them into studio and we ask them to share their stories. How did they do what, how do they do what they do? How did they get to where they, they are? These are their stories on here on future CEOs on, only on Cliff Central. Um, th- today is no different. We have a very, very, uh, a fascinating individual in studio here. She, how do I describe you, Candy? You're an influencer, and can I add of note? Is that, is that okay? Can I can I say that? <laughs> you can say that, Karen. Oh, good. I'm glad that you, you're not too shy to say that you are an influencer, but you are. I mean, there's a massive organization that you have influence over, a very positive influence over. Candy, would you mind taking 30 seconds, introducing yourself to our future CEOs community, and then I'll brag on your behalf if you don't do enough of it. I'd love you to brag on my behalf. It's not easy to brag on behalf of myself. Mm. Um, but good afternoon and thanks very, very much for having me on the show again. Um, it's always such a pleasure to, to be interviewed by yourself and, and Shluby. Um, and, and to have the opportunity to, to talk to, uh, interested people, um, about the wonderful subject of business and business in all its forms. Um, I have the great pleasure of heading up corporate affairs for Tsogo Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a listed entity um, on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Um, most people will be familiar with many of our properties, such as Monte Casino, yep. uh, Suncoast, all the Southern Sun Hotels, etc. Um, and um, when you say an influencer, yes, I, I guess to, to some degree um, I have a, a a very big responsibility um, to ensure that my company is behaving appropriately and mm. responsibly. Um, and then secondly, the way I see it is um, the, the influencing that I do, my role, is is kind of to humanize business mm. um, and to ensure that the business is not, is not behaving in a way uh, that is not serving society beneficially. We, we do live in tumultuous times. I mean, there's so much going on uh, from a, techno- a technological perspective um, that is impacting the way that businesses have to function to be competitive. There's a, a great deal going on uh, when it comes to labor and, and the protection that labor really needs. But in relation to this idea of techno- technology, I know I was just chatting to someone off air about the, the choice of studies and whether or not they should go into mining. And mining is, I mean, there's some massive of things going on. I know that there's a mine over in Australia where the entire uh, the entire open cost mining is, is essentially a robot that's running it and the, the one operator that operates these robots sits 1,200 kilometers away. It's an engineer. And so we've got these incredible things going on. You must be experience something some of that it's good to hear someone uh, that is the the human voice of a large business. Yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, I always 
call it the 80s mentality. Unfortunately, we've moved very far away from that 80s mentality. Mm. And that was kind of a, um, a global awakening period where, where business suddenly started to realize that this, this attitude is of take, make and throw away, mm. um, was actually not serving it. And, um, some people are still, you know, reluctant to change or to move forward and to see business or businesses themselves um, tend to to sometimes have legacy issues that relate still to this old-fashioned 80s mentality. Um, but certainly, you know, the world is changing um, at a rapid pace and everything that we know or that we thought we knew um, is is going through extraordinary and significant change everything from our economies um our our politics um across the globe Mm -hmm. um to things like the environment and climate change and um then we've got personal relationship change where the constructs that society had formed for itself Mm -hmm. in the past and um, relied on heavily have stopped serving the family unit, for mm, example, mm. that no longer looks like it used to be expected to look. Mm. Um, and, and so the, the, the term comfort zone, um, really I believe is, it does not, is not applicable anymore mm. because what you find is that the pace of change is so quick that there really isn't enough time to get comfortable because as soon as you think that you know something or you can, you can understand something, um, or, or be arrogant enough to think that you have it all worked out, something will come through so quickly as to throw all of that up in the air and you have to make the changes to keep up. I was, I was sitting at Alexander Forbes in the auditorium today. They have just launched an internal L&D program called Empower. And the presentation that was given was sharing that uh, people are – there used to be this mentality that you'd be in your career for a very long time, of course, and we all hope for that kind of stability. Uh, but what is actually happening is that you are, are moving rapidly through organizations or out of organizations as a result of this, this continuous change that is happening. And so every five years – and I think that's even potentially some old data. Every five years, what you, you used to be, used to do has not changed. It's not just, and what you, you thought you knew has also changed. So exactly. yeah, it's a, a, a fascinating world that we're in. I think you, yeah. you're probably seeing it and feeling it as you move around the country and as you move around your different operations, because it's not just in the country, it's internationally. Let's quickly talk a little bit about your journey though. So uh, often people and, and our future CEOs, they, they want to be able to hear who's behind the position. So you're in a fantastic position. I want to brag a little bit about some of the work you do, but let's, can we just go back a little bit? Where did you grow up? Who are you? Just a little bit of that, please. Um, Gareth, I, I grew up right here in Josie, um, and uh, I, I came from a, a large family. Mm. I was the last born of, of four children, okay. so I um, sometimes was a little bit invisible um, okay. in my in my family because mm. I was a little bit more quiet and thoughtful, and I did a lot of observing. Um, I, my my parents were were not. Um, I guess your average, uh, sort of sitcom family type of parents. Mm. My dad was a stay at home dad and he was a, okay. an artist. Okay. So, um, so that was, that was different I, I, from what I've discovered as I've grown older, that that's a different way of growing up. Mm. My mom, uh, was a career woman and, um, 
she headed up uh, the PR department for what is now known as Tiger Brands. Okay, um, yeah. So, so that was sort of our, or the way that I saw the world was slightly different to the way everybody else did. Mm. Um, she was also a member of the Black Sash. So, um, back in those days, uh, we we grew up. While we grew up in a privileged society, mm. I spent a lot of my my childhood years um, following her to to different sort of rallies and mm. and things like that, um, and trying to uh, make sense of of the society that that I was born into. So your social conscience really was uh, germinated very early on. This wasn't just a case of a. a a point where you looked out into the world and you said, oh, I, I can't do this anymore. Rather, this was a slow uh, development of, a, of a, a, a social voice, a consciousness, as a result of, of thank you, mom, it sounds like. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we, what you don't know when you're a child growing up is what the expectation is of society. Mm. So that was the reality that I lived in was a very different reality than, than many white South Africans, um, growing up in, in the late seventies and early eighties mm. experienced. Um, and it was only sometime in the, in the sort of mid eighties when I went to high school that I began to piece the whole thing together, um, and then took up the cause myself. Mm. Um, so, so, you know, we were, we were encouraged in my family always to speak our minds. We never had a bedtime. Interesting. Uh, we never had any real rules or, or anything. They were all self-imposed boundaries, uh, that, that we were comfortable with, um, as, as children. And, um, it was actually a, a wonderful, uh, environment to grow people with, uh, the ability to become influencers, I think. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're the kind of person that comes out of this self-regulating type of environment because I've often wondered about these newer, new schools that are popping up where you know, Montessori is for probably an example of it, where go with the child's interest. It seems a little loose for me, but <laughs> if you're the product of that kind of environment, well, well then I'm convinced. Yeah, I think self-imposed, um, Boundaries are are really what what will inspire people to do the right thing ultimately. You know, if it feels good to you and it's the right thing to do, then that, you know, nobody needs to enforce anything on you. Well, I guess uh, if we can, I, I'll, let me support that a little bit, saying this that that it really depends on your values, isn't it? So when you say if it feels good, I say whoa, 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 hold on. Some, feel, <laughs> th- some things feel great, but aren't aren't all that good. No, no. And certainly detrimental. Indeed, yeah. Uh, how did you develop that side of you then? So this idea that well, let's go after what it, what what. We are uh, attracted towards what we feel is the right thing. How did then your parents in an environment where it doesn't sound like there was too much necessity to enforce, how did they enforce when they needed to? And because that, that would have influenced the way that you lead now, surely. Um, I believe so, yes. There was always a, a consistency. So, so I think consistency is key and I practice that with my own children as well. Mm. Um, is, is that, you know, just having a very clear, um, a clear voice with within your family, and from the other side, being a child in a family, and and knowing that certain things are are uh, expected of you. So there's there's a lot of expectation. There's also a lot of support. Um, you always have this massive 
uh, feeling of support at your back um, so that you feel almost that you could take on the world. Mm. You could do anything. Mm. Um, but then also realizing that everything begins uh, with two things, one being kindness and right. the other being mutual respect. Mm. Um, and I really feel that that was of, of significance in, in my um, early younger days mm. um, because then what it does is it causes you to to make sure that before you make any decisions, you ask yourself, is this a good decision? Mm. Um, is, is it going to result in uh, an increase and, in respect? Is it going yes. to be kind? Is it going to be good? I, I like and, and just by asking, and you can do this with young children for those, <laughs> those people listening who have young kids, and you ask them and encourage them when they come and ask you, may I do X, Y, Z, to counter respond and say, is that a good decision? Mm. Do you think it is? And then it forces them to actually consider what they're asking and Nine times out of ten, they come up with the right answer mm, or nice. the most appropriate one. Well, thank you for sharing. And these are such important insights, especially as we all develop as future CEOs. Let's fast forward a little bit. And I'm going to introduce some programs that you have. Are you? Did you inherit them? Did you uh, Did you bring them into the organization? That There's Togosan Entrepreneurs. Then there's also, you mentioned climate. You're involved with Miss Earth and Generation Earth. Uh, you support them in, in various ways. Uh, and there's a couple of other things that, that you're doing at Togo Sun, which are phenomenal. And I, and I know you've been awarded, uh, the, the third most empowered organization on the, J, uh, in the JSC, on the JSC. Is that correct? Yes, ranked, ranked the third most empowered. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. so just, just share, please tell us about that journey. Uh, did, uh, again, the question, did you inherit it? Did you bring it in? How did you get that opportunity? Please. Um, I actually started with with my current company when I was 23 years old in 1997. Oh wow! So all <laughs> so that stuff that I was talking about. I don't think you, were you born in 1997? No, no, well, I may look <laughs> young, but uh, thank you, thank you for that compliment. Yeah. So so I've been there 20 years, mm. um, and it's been a wonderful journey, I must say. You know, when you go into into working in an organisation. Um, and, and you're able to grow up along with that company and, um, influence what they, what does, what future decisions they make and, uh, be a part of something that, you know, is, is what their success is your success mm. and vice versa. Mm. It's really, it's been a, a real fabulous journey. Um, so, so yes, I did start, uh, these programs that you've mentioned. Um, and, Back then, I think it was 90, about 99, and I was in the HR department, and the major shareholder of Sogo Sun at that time called Southern Sun mm. was S.A.B. Miller. Mm. And S.A.B. Miller was um, on a drive to ensure that they were operating sustainably. So they introduced us to a concept called the triple bottom line, sure. um, which which uh, the triple bottom line basically um, ensures that businesses account for not only their profits, but also uh, their treatment of people yeah, the impact, and right? the treatment of planet. Mm. That's that's really the the triple bottom line in a nutshell. Um, so I was there right from the start, and fortunately exposed to all the the thinking, which back then was was quite um, advanced in the northern hemisphere, mm. in, in the UK and so on, and in Europe, but not particularly advanced in in 
Africa or South Africa. So, so that was my sort of entry, entry point into the field that I'm now in. So I, I just wanted to quickly interrupt. So you started at Sogosan as what? I started as an HR administrator. An HR administrator. In other yes. words, you were there to serve all the other HR people. That, that's, that's kind precisely. of right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so, and, yeah. and so you, you went from HR administrator all the way to now GM of, of corporate affairs there. Yes. Um, and I mean, what, what a phenomenal ride. But at what point then did you become that influence? So you're talking about 99, there was that, that introduction of the triple bottom line. Uh, at what point did you begin to influence that? Or were you able to influence it quite early, being a voice in HR, which is a key place in the business? Well, I th- I th- it's a good question, Gareth, because I think when you're 23 or 24 years old, you know, you, you, you're just, you're walking around with these wide eyes and everybody is so impressive to you that yeah, you work exactly. with, you know. Um, so I did a lot of learning and a lot of observing, um, similar to the way I approached my own family when I was small, looking at these people who were all older than me and more intelligent. Okay. Um, that's kind of how I saw uh, myself in Sogo. Hmm. And, and via that, I developed uh, very good relationships with certain people who then became mentor, uh, filled mentor roles uh, for me. Hmm. And so I think I began to be able to really influence um, the the work that in, in the citizenship space, probably around about 2005, uh, when I was promoted to management. And, um, then I became, but still I was in HR because we didn't have a corporate affairs department back then. Um, it's amazing how things change and grow and, and develop. Eh? Yeah, it's really actually quite phenomenal. So, um, so what happened was, then they, they sort of formalized the structure around the citizenship process. And, um, and that's where I was like, okay, how are we going to strategize? What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does the company need? We did a whole uh, exercise on the business case um, for corporate uh, accountability, which is what we called it back then. Mm. Um, and, and as a result of that, and also simultaneously, the government was introducing uh, the triple BE codes of good practice. Mm. So I was working a lot with uh, the Department of Tourism at that time. Okay, fantastic. Um, you know, to, to just ensure that the tourism charter was designed in such a way that it uh, provided the right type of empowerment for the industry. So we have got, we've got you to thank for a lot more than just what you're doing. At oh, Tourism. no. <laughs> thank you. I'll, I'll say thank you in behalf of everyone else. Oh, thank thanks, you. <laughs> okay, so, so you. Yeah. So it was a roundabout there. Mm. What I'm hearing is a, there's an interesting strategy that's coming out here, which is this uh, that you uh, and whether it was uh, purposely driven this way or not is is not relevant at this point. But you were able to gather a voice through mentors and champions that were above you in the organization. Of course, that also would have been on their own growth path in the organization. Yes, that seems to be precisely how, how you would have created a voice. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, let's let's go to the the call. The call, which is. Hi, Candy. This is this is the big boss. We want you to be GM of corporate affairs. Oh uh, man, it never works like that, Gareth. You know that. <laughs> no, I do. I do. Uh, but I was just just checking. Maybe maybe it does. <laughs> no. Um, so just tell us then. How did the, how, what has that process been like? Because there's a couple of different aspects to that. There is maybe a, pr- a bit of prestige. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being able to say, hello, I'm the GM. Uh, but there's also the responsibility which comes. You mm. have to have broad shoulders to be able to shoulder a lot of what comes your way. 
way, uh, especially given some of the things that you're doing. Please just talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, well, moving, you know, the the journey from from 2005 to 2011, because I I sort of took over this role in 2011 only, and and I'm going to tell you a story about what happened in 2000, just after 2005. I think mm. it was about late 2006. Um, that that will and. Uh, hopefully not shatter everybody's dreams of of success mm-hmm. and the and the straight and narrow path to it. Sure. Um. But but frankly, I arrived at the place where I needed to arrive anyway, mm. uh, or maybe because of. Um. So so in two thousand and about two thousand and six, my dad, um, had passed away in two thousand and four. My mom wasn't particularly well. She had Alzheimer's mm. and Parkinson's. Mm. Oh wow! Um, and I was a single well, was a single parent of these three young children. Um, we had a difficult family uh, sort of setup. My sister went off to live in Switzerland uh, in the late eighties. So it was really just what it came down to was it came down to me to you, yeah. as the youngest child in my uh, family. Um, with three children, being a single parent, with a d- father who had, had passed away, a sick mother, and a full-time job. Mm. And, and then no support. And no support. Mm. So, so I devised a plan. Okay. Because that's what you have to do when you're faced with challenges. And, um, I, I basically decided that I needed to work from home. I thought, yeah, I can, what I can do is I can, all this work that I'm doing and I'm spending all my time in the office, I can actually just do it all at home and go in for meetings. Mm. Um, and I'm telling it with a smile on my face because I'm just thinking of the ignorance and, and arrogance of being in your, in your sort of early, late twenties when you ask questions like this. Well, I'm just wondering and, uh, <laughs> how was this received and yeah. I went to our then CEO. And I said to him, this is my situation and I'd like to no longer have to come into the office and I'll work from home. Mm. And he said, let me think about it. Which is very politely. Which is (laughs) him actually saying, uh, (laughs) no. (laughs) Um, so, so they then came back to me and they said to me, you know what, you, you can work from home. Fantastic. But. Here's the proviso, and it was based on the labor, you know, practices and things like that. You need to resign, and then you need to apply to us and okay. become a consultant. Okay, and then we'll contract you, and you can become a consultant to the company. Potentially a really big risk there, especially given the the feeling around security within yes. a large organization that you've dedicated so much time to. This is a big yeah, risk. Yeah, and, um, and obviously this goes back 11 or 12 years or whatever it is now. But, you know, when you're faced with a, with a troublesome situation at home, but you're so passionate about your job and you really, really feel that you can make a difference. And if you were just given this opportunity, mm. you could make mm. it work. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you said yes. So long story short, I did say yes. Okay. And what actually resulted from that was a lot of personal growth for me. And the company was so fantastic to me during that, that period of time. Um, I formed my own consulting practice. Um, I did indeed work from home. Mm. Um, I serviced other companies as well that were complementary uh, with with Sogo Sun, and I started to become an entrepreneur. Interesting, amazingly yeah. enough, I began to see myself differently. Um, and I'm seeing you differently, in fact, because I didn't know this about no, you. No, I and haven't of course, discussed now this before. Now there's Sogo Sun <laughs> entrepreneurs, and suddenly I well, can, I it can see it. Yeah, no exactly. brainer. So, so I did that for six years. 
and um, and it was really fabulous, and and I enjoyed being able to to you know still be completely committed to my role in business, mm. um, but also be completely committed to my family. You and must have been super organised. I was to super be able to organized. do this. You had to just uh, minute yeah. by minute. You had to know what you were doing. Yes, you know it gives new meaning to the words billable hours. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um. Anyway, but it was really it was a great time in my life, and. Um, and I worked very closely. I'm not sure if you, you're familiar with uh, Billy Gallagher, who was… Um, I certainly know the name. Yeah, he was really a very supportive person, and he was in a role where he was also working with me on the citizenship side of things for Sogo and so on and so forth. So the whole thing worked beautifully. And then in 2011, Sogo acquired Gold Reef Resorts. Um, and as a result of that acquisition… Um, in 20, around about late 2011, early 2012, we reverse listed because Gold Reef was listed. We were not mm, mm. reverse listed on the JSC. Um, and as a result of that, um, integrated our gaming division and our hotels division as well. And then there was this new opportunity for me and my children had grown up. Um, now you, now you know, you, so the whole thing yeah. kind of really actually worked beautifully. beautifully yeah. Um, and, and, but can, can I came I, back. I just want to interject yeah. here. It, it worked beautifully, <laughs> and it, but what we mustn't be mistaken to think is that it was a walk in the park. It certainly was not a walk in the park, and, and we also shouldn't uh, should not discredit the fact that you had to have a huge amount of courage, and you had to know how to position this to your CEO to be able to get get it right in the first place. I mean, so there's a lot of of interesting things that we could yeah. be talking about here that happened in between all of this. But anyway, so I'm sorry, yeah. the, the new opportunity. And yes. with this new opportunity comes other, come other opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. And so so then Miss Earth, Generation Earth, Sorga Entrepreneurs, um, talk to us very quickly yeah, about, so that, about your voice there. Yes. So so part of my role within my portfolio is uh, remains citizenship, as it always has. Um, and within there, you know, we've, the, the, the role of, or, or the portfolio of citizenship has, has gone through many changes within the organization over the years. I think we've really got to a place now where we, we're truly not just paying lip service to the priorities that we've put down. Um, we've formed, uh, partnerships with Miss Earth South Africa and Generation Earth and others in the environmental space to ensure that as a very, very large organization with a with a national footprint and a continental foot, uh, footprint within uh, Africa and offshore as well, um, we're actually very, very conscious of what we're doing in the environment. And if I may, that, I mean, that's with our friend, uh, Catherine Constantine. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and, and Ella Bella and yeah, so exactly. on. Yeah. Now, what they do so well with us is that we're both interested in the same thing. And what we're interested in is doing is creating a movement, um, ensuring that Certainly, all the practicalities of being environmentally responsible need to be in place. But the next logical step is basically educating people. Um, and, and from a corporate point of view, it's educating all of your stakeholders, starting with your employees and going all the way through your customers, suppliers, etc. Um, but really actively going out there and working in communities, working with Young children, very importantly, mm. but then working with adults so that they can then transfer this information um, onwards into into our society. And we're hoping that through the work that we're doing together and with their ambassadors um, and our Sogosan volunteers, 
um, that we really can start to see a, a significant impact being made, in, in particular in areas in South Africa like um, waste, for mm. example. Mm. Um, well, and, and I remember a, a campaign that I was involved with a little bit, just just supporting a waste starts or stops with me. Waste stops with me, yeah, indeed. Yeah. But it yeah. also starts with me, doesn't it? It always starts with you. Yeah, so, yeah. But, but the, yeah, <laughs> it was hashtag waste stops with That's me. That's right. I remember. Yeah, and that doesn't only relate to waste um, in terms of, you know, your, your rubbish that you're throwing away. That's that's living in a wasteful manner. Mm. So that's, you know, perhaps being wasteful about the way that you don't switch off your lights in your house or um, leaving your taps with drips and wasting water. Or, or um, I think there was a um, – Catherine was talking about meat-free Mondays because of the impact that uh, – Agriculture. Exactly, mm. has on the environment and, hum, and the consumption uh, that goes into uh, you know, rearing uh, yeah. this meat yeah. product. Yeah, yeah. the single, single largest carbon emission contributor – uh, is agriculture. Yeah, cattle, yeah. Yeah, mm. which is quite a sobering thought when you think about it. It is. And uh, you know what's so interesting is that I, I don't know how many of our, our listeners, certainly perhaps even me, would have thought that from a, a I'm going to diminish this and say a hotel brand, which is not, I mean, you're so much more, but a hotel brand would, would talk about the single biggest carbon emissions uh, issue is from agriculture. Exactly. Uh, that, those kind of those two statements don't really go marry each other, but through you they do. So, th- well, that, so that, that's Miss Earth. Uh, yeah. you, have a, you wanted to say something, but I w- I'd like us to talk mm. a little bit about this entrepreneur thing because we had your winner here last week. Uh, what a fantastic winner. Yes, but let's, yes, let's talk about the entrepreneurship thing. Yeah, so, so the other part of, of citizenship is, is Sogosan Entrepreneurs. And, um, and that program is, has proven to be extremely um, effective um, in ensuring that People running small businesses um, are confident enough and significant enough to go and do business with big business, and that's really our goal. Beyond the CSI aspect of it, though, you, now I know, now we all know that you actually have roots in entrepreneurship, yes. and so you could feel the pain you, that you're empathetic to some of the situations that you're coming across as Absolutely. you look into your supply chain and, and see these individuals who need to be assisted. Yeah, um, so, um, so I do, and I think, you know, I'm glad that, that, that uh, you've made that connection now as well, but I, I feel that, you know, only an entrepreneur can know what an entrepreneur feels mm, like. Mm. And sometimes it can be a very lonely place. And I, I believe strongly that the reason why businesses don't often don't last beyond sort of 18 months is because they feel completely insignificant. Um, and so, so the, the sort of, um, main reason for us trying to, to inspire these entrepreneurs um, to greatness is to ensure that they can actually go out there and see themselves as serious role players and and really competitive yeah. people who can compete, mm. you know, um, in in any for anything for any portion of the market. Um, and so we use we use our program. Um, partly, we've got obviously all the practicalities that are. That, that a business requires from a, from a skills development point of view and so on. Um, but we also concentrate on leadership. And the big thing that we're trying to do and have, I think, succeeded in doing over the last two or three years is transforming people from a managerial mindset mm-hmm. into a leadership mindset. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and we just had our conference, uh, our annual entrepreneur conference two weeks ago. And, you know, some of those people, because once people have graduated out of the program, they're still invited to be, uh, con- continue to participate as alumni. Alumni, yeah. And so we teach them how to become mentors or to give back uh, to the new people coming in and so on. Which, which is the, the, the I mean, I, I learned about this leadership process once where the, the final thing in your leadership to, uh, leadership legacy is to be able to empower and give back exactly. and apply back into mentor yeah. is part, mentorship is part of that. Yes. So, so a lot of these, we've been running the program for 12 years now. Um, and a lot of the people that co- I only see them once a year, some of the alumni, but I have seen them consistently once a year for 12 years. Some of them, you know, others for less, but when I, when I see the change in them, and it is the most inspiring thing, I think, and such a privilege to be able to, to witness people stepping into their own power. Mm. Um, and that's a beautiful phrase. Witness people stepping into their own power. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, so really, you know, I feel that here's Ron, who, who is our new entrepreneur of the year. And I listened with great interest to his interview last week and he had his, his business partner, partner, Andrew with him. And I just thought, you know, isn't this fantastic? <clears throat> We've got such a, a, a young, vibey, contemporary brand mm. that every South African can relate to, who is the Sogosan Entrepreneur of the Year this year. And, you know, it excites me. And I just think, you know, this, this is, this is the future. Mm. These are, these are the new South African heroes. Uh, it, by the way, if uh, you're listening and you're curious about who this individual is and their background, also some of their journey, Go back and listen to that podcast. You can find it on cliffcentral.com. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking to Candy, who uh, you've got a phenomenal journey. You've, you really have done f- some phenomenal stuff. Uh, we, we actually have gone over time. Oh. Uh, did you know that? <laughs> I did know that. <laughs> because time moves so fast. <laughs> and, and what you've been sharing is so valuable. I, I couldn't cut us off. But maybe in, in winding down, let me just ask a couple of questions, if I may. Mm. Um, just maybe a little bit of a bit of a quick fire question around um, and just your your instinctual insights please first the 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 worst advice you've ever received what is that worst advice the worst advice i've ever received was to speak my mind without thinking it through mm. okay shoot from the hip well, you know how people say, you know, go and t- if you're in a bad situation and somebody says, I think you need to go and have a word with that person. Mm-hmm. That is def- definitely not good advice. Uh, and fix it, fix it. Um, because there, there is a portion, portion of that that seems it like is, it's right. Speaking truth to power is very, very important. Very nice. Okay. Um, and there's, there's a lovely saying. I can't remember the lady's name who said it. I think it's a lady called Maggie Kun, but she's, quoted as saying um, speak your mind even if your voice shakes mm. so I'm not not advocating about uh, for that but what I am saying is in a moment of anger do not go and have your say mm. um, rather go and sleep on it if you can and and have your say when you aren't angry then speak 
truth to power. I, I, someone once said, and we've all heard it, go and write it down and see if you would give, deliver that letter to someone the next day. Very good. Or whether, yeah. whether you would tear it up. And I actually have done that, and I actually have tear, uh, torn, torn letters up. up. Yeah, I really have. Very wise. Uh, and, and then you rewrite, and you, re, you write, and you see things differently. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. Okay, so that's the worst advice you've ever received. <coughs> Thank you for the, also the correcting it. Uh, what is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received is to, and this might sound trite, but I will elaborate on it. But the best advice that I've ever received, um, well, I received it consistently throughout mm-hmm. my life uh, from from my mother. And she always said, let's make it fun. Mm-hmm. Now, it sounds trite can, at first. It can be. But in fact, you know, really... That is the purpose of everything. Mm. And and if you can find it in yourself, if you're going through statistics and looking at spreadsheets and analyzing data, you know, imagine making that fun. You know, how awesome would your job be if you were a data analyst? Um, if you could keep that in the back of your mind and realize that actually it's all meant to be good. Mm. It's all meant to be enjoyable. My mom actually shared something similar to, with me and she, she said, and I'll always remember it, uh, she said the sacred is in the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't her quote, or, uh, but she was just passing it on to me. She said, to remember the sacred is in the ordinary. Yeah. Okay, very, yeah. very nice. Thank and you. And keep it simple. Very nice. <laughs> okay, so uh, are you a reader? I'm an avid reader, yes. Good, and this is the the point where Hluby where would say leaders are always readers, mm-hmm. and they absolutely are, whether or not that means books or online. They're continually learning, continually yes. consuming. Uh, a book that you would recommend to our future CEOs community? What is that? Um, a book I would rec- I would recommend, firstly, all all business books. Give them a go. Mm. Um, people are inspired to write their stories as, as people – those people who have written business books from personal experience, mm. um, generally they, you know, the reason that they need to share this information is because they have a unique story to tell and they've succeeded and usually against the odds. And I think that when you are in business for yourself and even in, in a corporate environment, you often feel that no one is on your side. Uh, can can I quickly jump in? Are you advocating for for the the, the book that is a autobiography or bi- biographical in nature? Yes. So so other people's stories. Mm. Um. And and it's my my favorite business book, and I always give it to our first year entrepreneurs as they walk through my door. Is a book by Richard Branson. Mm-hmm. It's a very small little book. Mm-hmm. It's called Screw It. Let's, Let's do, do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Great. Book. And um. Yeah. That that I would recommend as a as an easy read, you can refer back to it, open on any page, uh, there's wisdom in there. And, and what's so nice about that book is it's really Richard Branson talking to you. Yes. It's just, it's just, it's like what we're doing it's here. It's human. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, by the way, if you're not a reader, just continue to listen to future CEOs because we'll have people like <laughs> Candy here and listening to her story. Okay. So that's a great book. Then maybe a final question to, to bring us or uh, bring us home, uh, here on future CEOs is, if you could go back in time and talk to the, the young 20-year-old future CEO, future uh, GM of corporate affairs for a massive <laughs> JSE-listed organization, what would you say to you, uh, the 20-year-old you, what would you say to yourself? What advice? I would say to myself, keep going. Um, it always gets better. Keep it's going. inevitable. Mm. 
the inevitability of life is that it always gets better as long as you keep going. Can I challenge it for a moment? Just not, not because I want to challenge it. I, I appreciate it and I agree with it. It's just what, what about those people that just are in, in this, this, what seems like a free fall? Where they just are in the spiral and it's just not getting better. It will get better. That's the the beauty of keeping going mm. is is that the only time it doesn't get better is when you quit. Um, so you just need to keep keep on keeping on. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep getting out of bed in the morning. Keep showing up. Um, and it will get better. And there's no way, no better way to end the show than on it will get better. Candy, so thank you so very much for joining us here in the Future C, here in the Cliff Central studio on Future CEOs. It's a great pleasure to chat to you and thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. That's what, all we have time for this week on Future CEOs. We look forward to seeing you, seeing you or uh, seeing you in inverted commas, same time, same place next week. Uh, go and go to cliffcentral.com to get or download all of our podcast there's some fascinating conversations just like we've had today we look forward to seeing you again soon future ceos on cliffcentral.com cliffcentral.com